Welcome to the Hyper Fast Show, where we believe unlimited growth in business and life is created by surrounding yourself with people who have been where you are going. Learning from others allows you to compress time and grow hyper fast. And now, here are your hosts, Kerry Shaw and Dan Lesniak. Kerry and Dan are real estate developers, best-selling authors, billion-dollar agents, and million-dollar agent makers. And now, get ready to grow hyper fast. All right, welcome to the show today, Reed. I'm excited to have you on. Thanks for joining us. Mate, thanks for having me. It's uh, good to be here. Yeah, how, how's, how's everything in, uh, in your part of the world? It's kind of interesting these uh, days. Yeah. A, lot, a lot of time on Zoom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think Zoom uh, share prices skyrocketing. No, look, things are going well, trying to be business as usual here, uh, getting into the office. Luckily, my office is uh, no one else is here. Uh, so I've been trying to get down here at Hermosa Beach in sunny California every day and uh, just trying to keep some normalcy. They, they just opened up the beaches here yesterday. So I was out there at 6.30 a.m., crack of dawn, getting a few waves before coming into the office. So, so yeah, like, life's not bad, but in saying that, it's a new world. And on the business side, we've been monitor, monitoring very heavily our collections on our portfolio and making sure that our tenants are paying on time. And if not, you know, how, do we, how do we manage that? Uh, so yeah, it's been it's it's been an interesting time. The the only thing that I can say is that uh, I'm originally from Australia. Obviously, by my accent, you can hear it. Um, but it's this this issue is happening across the globe, and um, people are having the same stuff that we're having experiencing here in the United States is happening in Australia and you know in Canada and Mexico, all over the world. So uh, we're all in the same boat, which is uh, if that brings any solace uh, at all. <laughs> yeah, I think that does help, and that's that's probably one of the advantages you have as an investor is. You know, you have a more global, international perspective. I'm sure we'll get into that and, and how that's helped. Because I, I think sometimes, you know, with real estate, there there is this very hyper-local focus. But in this circumstance and other situations as well, it definitely helps to to have a, a broader, more global view, I think. Exactly. You know, it, it, that is probably my special superpower. But in, in saying that, you know, we, we're all guilty of, you know, having a pity party for ourselves in this time and, and thinking that you know, the world's on fire, but the world's on fire everywhere. You know, you're not, we're not the only ones. And the difference between now and 2008 was that 2008 was very much a US-based issue that spread around the world. Today, it's like this pandemic that spread around the world that, you know, we, we couldn't control. So, or I haven't controlled yet. So, so yeah. Awesome. Well, we got a lot of great stuff to get into, but before we do that, why don't you give uh, the Hyperfast listeners a little bit about your background, how you got into real estate, all, all that good stuff. Yeah, look, it's, I'll try and keep it short. It's a, a longish story, but I'll try and keep it to an elevated pitch. So yeah, as I just mentioned before, I come from the land down under, the, the, the country of the sunburnt, the sunburnt cows, they used to say. So I moved to America back in 2012. But prior to that, uh, well, the reason I moved to the United States was, was for the love of two things. One was New York City, and the second one uh, it was a girl, an American girl who's now my <laughs> wife. So it, it was successful. <laughs> I do have a ring on it. But prior to that, I, I, my background's in structural engineering. Uh, I, I went to university in Australia, uh, graduated in 2008. Um, as soon as uh, part of our DNA, Aussie's DNA, and, and I'm sure some of your listeners have met many Aussies along the way, we seem to find ourselves across the globe. Uh, I, I left Australia as soon as, as soon as I graduated and I went to London, worked on the 2012 Olympic Games back in 08. After I, after I was only seconded for a year, but I didn't want to, after that in 2009, I actually went to the south of France and 
um, worked on uh, the mega super yachts uh, for Russian billionaires. If you've ever seen the show Below Deck on Bravo, it's uh, exactly the same thing. And I always went down there for a bit of fun. The global crisis had hit, so had a bit of fun. And, and uh, during that time is when I met uh, my now wife, Erica. We met on the beaches of Spain. So that was an incredible couple of years. Moved back to Australia in early 2010. And that's really where the reality set in of like, oh crap, I'm going to be sitting in a cubicle for the rest of my life. And I didn't want that. Right. And, and I, at the time I didn't know what an entrepreneur was. Uh, you know, I just, I wanted to someone to pay me to live my life and travel the world and go surfing. And so I stumbled across the book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, which a lot of people stumble across. And, and that was really the spark with inside of me to say, Hey, you can go and take control of your life and you can give yourself permission to go do that. Um, at the same, so at the same time, I started to self-educate in Australia, learning about real estate investing, and, and happened to, you know, then use my job of civil engineering, structural engineering, to 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 try and um, maximise my skill set in terms of because I was building a lot of stuff, you know, ground up developments, infrastructure, to try and use my day job to continue learning. And at the end of 2011, I, I had the opportunity to, to move to the United States, and I quit my job. And I said, stuff it, I want to live in the United States for a period of time. And I, I moved here uh, without a job. And with my with my new girlfriend uh, Erica, who we moved to a completely new city, which was a uh, trials and tribulations of itself, and and rocked up in the Big Apple without a job and pounded the pavement until I got one, and that was sort of the start of coming to America story. So yeah, so you started in New York uh, almost almost a decade ago now, not not quite with with doesn't sound like much of a plan really at all. No, no. <laughs> uh, what uh, what 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 transpired? since then how did you how did you get into real estate well so the bug of real estate was already already been bitten right with the book rich dad porter back in 2009 and and then sorry 2010 and, and those couple of years prior to moving to, to to the states i was self-educating in australia but really within two weeks of being fresh off the boat i was at my first ria event uh the real estate investor associations and for those people who don't realize um america is full of you know particularly now even more but back then these organizations were just at, at readily available at, fingers, at people's fingertips and, and so much incredible content and stuff that I, you probably all take for granted, but coming from Australia, we don't have nearly, like not even a, a glimmer of what you guys have from, from the infrastructure, you know, organizational, you know, uh, people meeting together and talking about real estate and having incredible content that you pay 20 bucks at the door for. Like, so I was really blown away at just the incredible access to information that I would have had to pay a guru a lot of money in Australia to learn about. Um, so that was that was the start, and, and again, moving to the Big Apple, it was the fast talking Americans taking information out of a fire hose. It was I had to I had to get up to speed really quickly. But what I did realize was that crap, the uh, the barriers to entry here are pretty pretty low when you when you get outside the major cities. You know, you can, and I, I think within you know two uh, sorry six months of moving here, I bought my first um, triplex for thirty eight thousand bucks in upstate New York, and and the only reason I chose upstate New York was because I could drive there and I could afford it. So yeah, that was that was really it. And how'd you, how'd you find that deal? Uh, mate, literally just through um, brokers relationships in terms of, you know, getting on, I could, I, I remember every Saturday or for a period of a couple of months, every Saturday I'd jump on the Greyhound bus, it drive four hours to, to Syracuse, New York, would meet with some brokers, two or some deals, get on the bus back and be able to get to the bar by seven o'clock to hang out with some mates back in New York city. So really just was through, through, through small broker relationships and the fact that it was super cheap, right? Like, you could not find a $38,000 property in Australia. And so again, me being fresh off the boat, I had no idea about credit score. I had no idea about people lending to me. So I had to buy this thing all cash. 
Um, and I had saved up a little bit of money so I could. And, and, and for me, it was just about getting my first deal done because you don't get to deal number 10 without doing deal number one. And that was really the, the, the learning curve. So, yeah. Yeah, that, that seems like a crazy low amount to get a triplex. Like... <laughs> Mate, we'll put it this way. A fresh-faced Aussie figuring out what the hell Section 8 housing was. That's what it was, what it was. You know, I subsequently had a drive-by shooting at the property. Um, but what it was is that, that I, got, I got started, right? And that's the whole thing of this, my whole shtick is that I didn't know these things, but I went out and gave it a crack, gave it a shot. And, and that's, all that you, that's all you can do, right? You, you learn to, to, to a period of time. And then I got to the point where I was sick of reading about you know, investing and I needed to go out and freaking do it because I was never going to get to my goals if I didn't take action. And so it's kind of like you know, reading about going to the gym. You don't lose weight by reading about it. You lose weight by opening the freaking door and going and getting on the treadmill. So same thing applied to, to I just got to the point where I had analysis paralysis and I wanted to get out there and take some action. Yeah. So how did that first deal work out for you long term do you still own it no I, I don't i don't own it anymore um it, look it had that had that drive-by shooting at the beginning which was you know it, it, it was it was low-cost section 8 housing like you can make money in those types of places but you got to looking back on it you really need to buy four five six little properties to to mitigate the risk right because you might have some vacancies in some and and really you know understanding the game of property management like of course I wasn't going to attract the best, the most attention from my property manager when I only had one little property and he was trying to manage, you know, 500 properties. Right. So, you know, it's, it's all about the economies of scale. Um, but it got me going, got me into the second deal and that second deal got me into a flip and that flip got me into, you know, realizing that I needed to do more with my life and, 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 and up my game. And that's when I got into real estate syndication and the commercial side. And today I, you know, don't want to boast, but we, we, me and my business partner, we control over a quarter billion dollars of multifamily real estate in Texas. And I've done it in less than 10 years of being in the United States. So again, didn't come with the, with the goal to do that, you know, moving to the United States. It was really just to come be an expat and have a bit of fun. And all of a sudden, many years later, things, things have changed for the good. And, and, and I'm, I'm really proud of where I'm at right now. So, so yeah. So your first couple of deals sounded like one was a, a, a rental then you had a flip in there. Where where did it go from there? Obviously, if you if you've got a quarter billion that you that you got under management in less than a decade, that's just mind blowing. So hats off to you for that. But how how did you get from like did you do more flips? Did you start doing more, yes. more so, rentals or mix? Yes. So we really came down to one conversation. And there was, you know, the two things in my life that from a, a business point of view was the, the Rich Dad Poor Dad book, obviously was the first one. The second aha moment came from a conversation with a good buddy of mine from Canada who I happened to study with at University of Queensland in Australia. And he he was in New York in I think middle of 2013 and we went out for a drink and, and you know, I was boasting, oh, I've got these couple of properties in upstate New York and I'm about to do a flip in Philadelphia, still working full time as a structural engineer, obviously. And he, he said to me, oh, I, he's like, man, that's awesome. Well done. And, and then he goes on to tell me that he, he, and I didn't even know he was in real estate. He, he closed on a 70 unit deal in Canada. And I said, 70, like seven zero. And he's like, yeah, 70. And I was like, how the hell did you do that? And he talked to me about how he got a mentor. He talked to me about how he used uh, other um, owners, seller, seller, seller caravac financing and how he raised, you know, half a million bucks from his friends and family and other people's money to, to close on this deal. And he was using the same principles that I was applying on the small stuff, which was going in, spending five, $10,000 a unit, increasing the rent a hundred, 150 bucks a month, um, but doing it over scale and doing it over 70 units. And so for me, the big thing was the mentor piece. And I knew at that point that, 
you know, since picking up the book, Rich Dad Put It, I've been to a lot of bloody seminars and I've been, I've been pitched a lot of about doing mentors. And, and it was really that I, you know, I had that mindset of I could do it by myself. And at that point in 2013, I sort of knew that I was coming to the, my end of my rope and I needed to have that mentor in order to, you know, one, give me permission to take my, my investing career seriously, but also to double down on, on where I was going and, and say, hey, it's great you've got this small little, very small little portfolio of, of properties, but you're still not financially free. You're still not your own boss. You need to up your game. And that was taking that next step. And that's where I went and got a mentor. And through that, I built my own podcast, my own brand and started raising capital and co-syndicating on bigger deals. And that, you know, those, those are the baby steps into my own deals. And, and that's now, you know, nearly two and a half thousand units later. So, so yeah. So what's, what's your typical deal like right now? We buy between 15 to $30 million range. We are anywhere, we're, we're invested in Austin and San Antonio. We started in San Antonio, have migrated up to Austin just to be in a market where the jobs are, the supply demand issue, um, where there's low to, uh, high demand, but low supply, um, true growth markets. Uh, and my business partner happens to be based there. So I'm in LA, he's down there. We keep it very lean. Um, we, 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 hire, we third party properly manage. We do, we do our own asset management and, and construction management, but we general contract out still. But yeah, we typically buy anywhere between 150 to 300 units at a time, or you know, that's the size of the properties. And we go in there and we try to shift the NOI. We, we, we make sure we, we're buying where the market rent of these these units are uh, sorry the rent of the market the rent of the units are below market and we can bring them up to market you know we want to spend we want to see at least a hundred dollar spread and we also want to increase you know create like a hotel style feel to these 1980s 1990s built properties um, so when tenants come in to view the property they're saying hey that's a nice that's a nice uh, um, leasing center that's a nice uh, pool or gym or whatever that might be so have that subconscious of of trying to do you know, wanting to rent from from the property before they've even you know, seen a unit yet? So that's really our business plan, and we and we do we achieve it through real estate syndication, which is where we pool investors' money together and we we go off and, and buy bigger and larger deals. So, yeah, yeah. So in these syndications, are you are you creating like one big fund or doing it deal by deal, or what's what's your strategy with that? Yeah, it's all deal by deal. So bootstrapping it, and and that's the that's the hard thing with this this game is how do you you find the deal and you got to go raise the money, and it's sort of like this chicken and egg scenario, and it's very daunting in the beginning. But you you, you start to build through you know, not advertisement marketing efforts, my podcast, my books, and all that sort of stuff. People start, you start getting known as a name and people, investors start coming to you and you build up a, an investor pool. And so when you do have a deal, you can launch that investor pool and hopefully it's funds very quickly. But yeah, it's, it's, it's always just a deal by deal fund. Raising a fund, we've, we've noticed that with, with sort of your sophisticated investors, it's, it's tough to say, hey, we don't know what the, the asset looks like right now, but we want to take money off you and put it into a, into a bank account and we'll, we'll tell you later what it is. Most people want to see the physical asset. Okay, I'm buying a part or, or X percent of that deal and it's located at ABC Smith Street. So it's more of a psyche thing. So maybe we'll do funds in the future, but for right now, it's working quite well, just deal by deal. Yeah, no, there's, there's definitely, you know, pros and cons each way. Like the the deal by deal, like you said, you've got that tangible asset. You can show the investor. You don't have a gun to your head to to do deals, right? Because you, you can be right. selective because you don't have money that's sitting, you know, in an account somewhere that you need to, to deploy. So mm -hmm. there's there's less pressure, but then there's a little bit more pressure to 
you know, once you do find the good deal, you got to make sure you can get the money. What, how much are you raising per, per deal? Yes, yeah, typically between 10 to 15 mil. That's typically yeah. our sweet spot um, on any one deal. You know, around 30 to 40%, depending on what you need for obviously the down payment. You need operating funds. You might need capital expenditure budgets. You need fees that we pay ourselves on the front end. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's around more like the 40% range of, of any, any one deal. So, um. Hey, hold that thought for a minute. Do you want to get my best-selling book, The Hyperlocal, Hyperfast Real Estate Agent, for absolutely free? This book has helped tens of thousands of real estate agents, and now I want to give it to you for free. All you pay for is the shipping. Look, you can go on Amazon, read all the five-star reviews, and pay $14.99, or you can go to hyperfastfreebook.com and get it for free. All you pay for is the shipping. Again, that's hyperfastfreebook.com. Get your copy today. Again, hyperfastfreebook.com. What would your advice be to real estate agents or investors that, you know, maybe have done a couple investments, like maybe, maybe they're where you were like eight or nine years ago. Like how do they get from there to, you know, maybe not where you are now, but, but somewhere bigger with more scale. Like what are the keys? The, 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 the keys are what I said before. Um, Mentors are so important. Surrounding yourself with people who you aspire to be. The the act of me paying for that mentor now it was only like two and a half grand back in the day, and to me that was a lot of money back then. But it was sort of like me giving myself permission that I'm investing myself. So really investing in yourself and knowing that it's going to take time to build. And and most people have that. I need it to happen today, <laughs> otherwise I'm going to fail, or otherwise I'm not successful. And that mindset you need to sort of throw out the window because anything that's worth building will take time. It doesn't just happen overnight. This, my story just in the last 15, 20 minutes has come with a lot of freaking hard work. It's become a lot of sacrifices, come a lot of you know, sleepless nights and long weekends. And that's what it takes. Uh, for a long period of time in that journey, I was working a full-time job and trying to do a side hustle because I'm not from this country. And before I could get a green card and, and, and start my own business, that wasn't an option for me. I had to continue working if I wanted to stay here. So you have to understand that one, you got to surround yourself with, with people that you aspire to be. Go out and get mentors if you need to be, but learn from those mentors and partner with them so you can scale the business. You can grow and, and, and understand that it will take some time over you know, many years and hard work. It won't just happen at a drop of a hat. So, so yeah. Who have been the key mentors for you? I know you, you've mentioned uh, Robert Kiyosaki. You, know, you read his book, The, the Rias. Uh, your, your friend from Canada. Yeah. So who, I had my who first, else has been important? My first mentor was a gentleman by the name of Joe Fairless. He's got a pretty successful real estate investing podcast. I was an early, early mentee of his. But through that relationship, I actually introduced him to his business partner. So, you know, it's sort of, it was a kismet type of relationship that we both helped each other. But for me, it was that, again, getting over my mindset that I, I needed a mentor and thus I needed to pay for something. And for the longest period of time up until that point, I was like, I'm not paying for a freaking mentor. And it's like, well, you get over that, you put your big boy pants on and, and you get on down the road. So, <laughs> yeah. What do, you, what do you think is the, the, the reason that, that people maybe get stuck at only having a couple properties or, or not getting to, 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 to where you are now? Like what, what's, what separates people? Limiting beliefs, you know, like for me, I know in myself that I like uncertainty, you know, and I think there's the seven or six or eight human needs and one of them happens to be uncertainty. I like that, right? When I first moved to this country, it was all like, 
my whole goal in life was to be to not have any regret when I when I get to 70 years of age and go, geez, I wish I'd moved to the United States back in 2012. The whole goal when I moved here was just to be an expat, live in New York City for a couple of years. And the worst thing that was going to happen to me is if I didn't get a job in that sort of three or four month period on my tourist visa, I'd move back to Australia when my family is and get another job. That was it. That was the worst case scenario for me. And so getting comfortable with knowing that you need to walk through certain doors in life, but you might not necessarily have the answers to what's going to happen on the other side of that door, that's okay because you don't have to have it figured out. You just got to take that action, go through that door and figure it out later. You know what I mean? Like it's kind of, it's easier said than done, but the action part of it is always, is always at forefront of my mind, always knowing that the fear of regret, the fear of not taking action and sitting where I am and being, and being stagnant scares me so much that I'm like, I'm going to go take action. And, and every day I try to push that boundary just a little bit. And you get used to taking those small steps in the beginning, but over time it's bigger and bigger and bigger steps. And a lot of people say, and it's very cliche, that it is a snowball effect, but until you do it on a, on a, on a very routine basis and you're disciplined about taking those pushing the boundaries on a, on a daily basis that you will then be able to look back over years of doing it and see how far you've come. And so challenging yourself is really important. Challenging your beliefs is super important because at the end of the day, it's the 80, 20 rule. It's 80% mental, 20% action. You know what I mean? So it's, it's, you just have to literally go out and just be wanting every single day when you wake up, I need to push the needle. I need to push the boundaries and I need to be comfortable being uncomfortable. Yeah, I, I agree with that hundred percent. I mean, I've, I've heard that from obviously you now, but people like Tony Robbins and other people that I've been, been coached or been exposed to, that's, that's a common theme is getting comfortable with being uncomfortable. And like everybody starts from, from base zero. And, you know, it, when you're a kid, it's, it, it comes natural for some reason. Like you, you've, you've never crawled, you, you fall, you while learning to crawl, right? You've never walked, you fall while learning to, to walk. The kid is never like, oh, I'm, af- I'm afraid I might fall learning to, to walk. Like, I'm not right. gonna do it, right? Like, they figure it out. And it's, it's kind of no, no different with, you know, the, investing the, in real estate, scaling up, you know, everything. <laughs> there's a book, and I'm, I don't, I forget what the name of the book is, but it's like, the premise is like, harness your toddler brain. Remember back in the day, you never questioned to your point walking. You never questioned climbing a tree until you fall out and you break your leg, right? <laughs> you know, and over time we have these, as a toddler, you don't have any fears and that we need to take our brain back to because we have these massive dream circles when we're kids. We want to be astronauts. We want to fly to the moon. And over time, life constrains those those dream circles or those, those those goals and those limiting beliefs. And all of a sudden you're down to this very tiny little sphere that you live in and you're afraid to take, you're afraid of your own bloody shadow. Um, so getting rid of those limiting beliefs takes work, but you have to understand that it can be done. And it's just, it's changing, doing it consistently day in, day out that you can do it over a period of time. Yeah, no, I agree. It's at some point like life or whether it's school, government, society, parents, like it sort of reprograms us that, yeah, this is the box you, you need to be in. And if you get outside of it, it's, it's dangerous. And Right. Right. And, and look, and all that other stuff, what you just said, society, parents, they're all the things that you tell yourself that people are telling you to do. You need to let those go because they don't control you. Only the only person who controls you is you. And the only person that makes the decisions is you. 
So you have to go out and say, I'm, I'm, I'm worthy to go and take action. I'm worthy to go freaking take steps into to creating a better life for myself. And once you get comfortable with just that in a talk and that in a chat, then you'll be able to go out and, and you know, the sky's the limit. So, so yeah. Yeah, and I, I think part of it is you got to be willing to to fail. You got to be willing to have a little bit of discomfort and struggle. And I, I think I think over the last fifty years, society has gotten very very easy. Like you know, mm-hmm. we used to, we used to have to hunt for our food. Then we could go to the store to buy it. Now we just do something oh, on yeah. our phone and it's at our door. <laughs> and all of that is really really good in a way, but but there's a negative side effect to it, and that is mm-hmm. like we're uncomfortable with any amount of struggle. And so I, I think right. you need to be intentional about seeking challenges, seeking new things, seeking uncertainty, like you said, in, in all areas of life, really. And then, it, you know, I'm sure some of that you didn't know at the time what it was going to lead to, but that's what know. gave you the ability to go out and do your first big syndication for the first time. It's, you know, I don't want to keep using all these bloody cliche quotes, but you know, Tony <laughs> Robbins talks about you, and it's true, you overestimate what you want to achieve in a year, but you underestimate what you can achieve in a decade. And honestly, Dan, I had no freaking idea that I'd be sitting here talking to you 10 years later after picking up the book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And for me, goals, goals for me have turned into targets. Goals have a time component to it. And, and if you don't, and through personal experience and personal loss, the last 10 years have been freaking incredible. And I know the next 10 years are going to be even better. And so stop worrying about what the goal is or what the target is, or what you need to be, and just enjoy the journey and walk through the door that opens in front of you today. Don't worry, stop, let go of what's going to happen in five or 10 years time, because those things are going to naturally fall into place. If you do things correct today or walk or take the action or walk through that door today and, and stop worrying about the failures on the other side. So it's, it's, it is really important to, to it's, it's all a mental game. And I'm sure a lot of your listeners right now are thinking, yeah, it's all freaking mental. It's, all, it's easier said than done. But at the end of the day, it is, it is mental. And that's what you've got to get good at. It's like a mental push-up and you've got to keep doing it day in, day out until you eventually start seeing some success. And then you start to enjoy the journey and you can look back and see how far you've come. And that's, that's probably the, the best part because we're all trying to climb the, the bloody mountaintops. Um, but the fact is, when you get to the top of that mountain, what, what are you going to do? So it's, it's why you have to enjoy the journey along the way as well. And you've you've written a, a book recently, right? Where you've you've kind of captured your your journey and your your incredible story, right? Yeah, I've actually written or written one and co co-authored another, and it was just I've, the first one's called "Investing in the U.S.: The Ultimate Guide to U.S. Real Estate," and it's it's the best episodes from my podcast jammed into a book form and then with my story into interwoven through the pages. Um, and it, it's really just the things I had to go through learning about the investing lingo, understanding the different ways in which you can invest here in the United States. Um, sort of nearly like you, you, you and it, I am a foreigner, but you're sort of the way of learning, the way of investing here is a little bit different to the way of investing in Australia. And so having, you know, putting a book together like that was really beneficial for, for me walking back through my journey and my steps and what I did learn along the way. Um, but it also hopefully has helped, can help lay a path for those people seeking to start investing. And you don't have to be a foreigner to invest here. It's, it's also for Americans. So that's, that's the first book. And the second book is uh, called 10,000 Miles to the American Dream. And it's a collective of stories, um, me and, uh, and, and talking about the power of masterminds and power of groups, 
I started a group called the, uh, it's not called this anymore, but I call it the Aussie real estate mafia back in the day. And it was really, <laughs> it was really the, the, it was, it was eight other blokes, so including myself and entrepreneurship can be challenging and lonely and, and through, you know, meeting my, these other Aussies who have, who, who made a pilgrimage across the ditch to the United States and they're all been successful in real estate. We started a mastermind group and through that mastermind group, we become really good mates and friends and, and through that group, we said, well, let's, let's, let's put our story into some pages. And then that we all took a chapter and we've all got different journeys and, and different ways we've achieved financial freedom through us real estate and different asset classes. And so we, we, we titled the book 10,000 miles to the American dream. And, and that's the second one that came out last year. So, so yeah. Are they, are they both on Amazon or where, where, sh, where yep. should people so go if they want to Both on Amazon. Yes, both on Amazon. Uh, you can also, the, in, the first book, Investing in the US, actually just launched on Audible, which was fantastic because I know some people don't like to read, they like to listen. Uh, and then, so both of the books, the physical books are on Amazon. Audible is also up there. The easiest way to get to them is just you know, either search it on Amazon, Investing in the US, Reed Goosens, or 10,000 Miles to the American Dream. Or you can just go to my website, readgoosens.com, and, and they're both there as well. So, yeah. And then you you mentioned the, the first book, Investing in America, had a lot of your podcast episodes kind of crunched into it. What's what's your podcast called, and, and where it's is that? In case people literally want to check it out. <laughs> it's literally called Investing in the U.S. and I, and I started with educating the foreign folks about the benefits of investing here. I, I niched really at the beginning, uh, four and a half years ago. 250 episodes later, uh, we've pivoted a lot uh, and we, we, we used to be called Investing in the US, the Ultimate Guide to US Real Estate, which is the name of the book, but we just dropped the, the Ultimate Guide and just call it Investing in the US and we talk to, it's very fo- heavily focused on real estate investing, but also talking to CEOs, entrepreneurs, thought leaders who created something from nothing and, and, and their journeys and their trials and tribulations because that is we're all in this together. We're all, we're all solo entrepreneurs at some point in our life and we've all got learning experiences that, that we go through. So, um, yeah, you can find that on iTunes, just called it's just Investing in the U.S. Read Goosens. It's, it's pretty simple to find. So, yeah. All right. Well, before we wrap up, I, I, we always do the hyper fast round. So, I've got awesome. a couple quick questions and uh, do your best to just answer quickly as well. Are you ready? Let's do it. All right. What's the biggest piece of advice you'd give to a new real estate investor? A fool and their money are easily parted. Mm, it's a good one. What's the biggest mistake you've ever made in, in real estate and, and what did you learn from it? The biggest mistake was probably too easily to trust other people, thinking that they had to bet my best interest at hearts when they, when they didn't. So you know, just make sure you have the difficult conversations up front. So when, if stuff goes south, you know how to get out of it or you, you know what, you know, the mechanics that you need to go through in order to get out of the deal or whatever it might be. Yeah, no, definitely a good one. Uh, what's your, what was the best real estate investment you ever made? My first one, just getting started. Yeah. If you had to start over and, and you didn't have the money that you had now, you didn't have the network that you had now, you just had the knowledge that you've gained over the last decade, what would be the first thing you'd do? I would do, do it all again, go and build, build a personal brand, uh, build a thought leadership platform and grow uh, my business from there again. All right. And where, last one, where do you see yourself in five years? Where do I see myself in five years? I see myself as being the best husband, partner, thought leader, CEO I can be, and also maintain being down to earth at the same time. 
So however that looks in five years time, we'll let it, let it be. So, yeah. All right. Well, great answers. Thank you for, uh, for, for playing along with us on that. Uh, before we wrap up, where, where are the best places for people to get in touch with you or connect with you or reach out if, if they want to? Yeah, the, the easiest way is just through the website, readgoosens.com. It's R-E-E-D-G-O-O-S-S-E-N-S. And uh, if you're ever coming through LA, whenever we open back up the, the flying again, just shoot and you want to meet up for a beer or coffee, just shoot me a, a, an, um, an email at info at readgoosens.com. Just give me a couple of months headed to heads up and we'll try and make it happen. Flying, flying is open. Uh, Car- <laughs> Carrie and I have uh, we've flown a couple times this week. We're, we're actually out in Oregon. That's why we're oh nice. Yeah, we're visiting uh, her her family, but we're uh, that's why I'm shooting on the road here, <laughs> not not in the studio. But it's it definitely is different at the uh, airports. There's like no line at TSA and all that stuff. It's very very unusual times. But uh, yeah, if, if anyone's ever out in LA, definitely hit me up. Hit, hit up Reed and, and uh, thank you so much for being on the show. I'm, I'm sure the people that, that tuned in, watched, listened, will get a ton of value. So thank you so much. My pleasure, Mike. All right. Well, thank you everyone else for tuning in and we'll see you next time. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Hyper Fat Show. Subscribe to us if you want to make sure you get the latest and greatest Hyper Fat Shows. And remember, we love reviews. Reviews help us bring better and better guests and improve our shows. So give us the good, the bad, and the ugly. We hope you enjoyed the show, and we will see you next time.